Hello everybody and welcome to Broom Wagoon, Gravel Epic Edition. And anyways, you will not get there on the road bike because we are talking about Gravel Epic, don't we? Episode number three. So let's start from the duties here. Remember that here in the description below you will find the link to the giveaway so you can take part to Gravel Epic Switzerland with a Broom Wagoon skin suit and you can have a lot of fun. Just go there, just fill up the form and be ready to receive the amazing giveaway that Gravel Epic and Broom Wagoon are gonna give to you. And I have also the need of knowing how did you like the first two episodes so messages emails instagram calamaro.cc emails hello at calamaro.cc let us know you can also go and comment on gravel epic somebody did it already but we want to know more because for me it's super important for all of us it's super important for you as well it's super important because if you want some more production of this kind we need to know i need to know especially i i need to know Remember as well that you can share this podcast with anybody out there because the more you share, the more people will listen to that, the more people will take part to the giveaway, the more, the more, the more. Everybody is gonna be happy. Episode number three. First episode, we talk with Sean. Second episode, we talk with Anthony. Today, we're gonna talk with two of the ambassadors of Gravel Epic. We're gonna talk with Linda. We're gonna talk with Xavier. I rode with the both of them, they are amazing people, and we ran as well on some experiments in this episode because you're gonna listen to a kind of way of asking questions that was a this and that. Because we all know that gravel is super broad, gravel is everything, gravel is an attitude, a peace of mind, it's everything you want to make it. And as some people say, gravel doesn't exist. But we talk with Linda, we talk with Xavier, we put together a bunch of great ideas and if you want to follow them on their social media, in their rides and everything, in the description below you are gonna find some contact. I don't want to bother you more, but just I need to say thank you for listening and I want to say thank you as well for uh, follow on this adventure together with Broomwagon and Gravel Epic and as well thanks a lot Gravel Epic for the support thanks a lot Gravel Epic and Komoot for having me in the recce also there somewhere down you will find some photos of the collection for the Queen stage that we wrecked something like some weeks ago you remember when and thanks a lot for having me there and I want to say thanks as well but I said it already to all of you that listened but just for cycling to be for being that awesome listen to the episode you're gonna love it ciao so yeah this is episode number three of the gravel epic mini series of the broom wagon and i'm super happy because today i will talk here with two uh persons that i can refer to them as ambassador or gravel epic but i refer to you people as well as Two of my listeners. Hi, Linda. Hi, Javier. How are you doing, people? Hello. Hello, everyone. Finally made it on the podcast. I'm very yes. excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, actually, I have to say, if I can give a little intro also here, I met Linda in one test event probably we can talk about that maybe not anyways uh, for the old route some time ago and i remember that we talked a lot about you are gonna actually take part as well to the atlas mountain race so bike packing we talked about also pump tracks and a lot of uh, these things and you told me that actually you have been enjoying some of my 
talking with the uh, yes with the with people i'd say on records with the broom wagon and that's super great and also javier we talked we met a couple of days ago now for the recon of the gravel epic switzerland uh, queen stage so we met in person so now it's going to be probably easier to to talk on microphone what do you think yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it, indeed, uh, I've been following a bit of your podcast, but I was glad to meet you at that wiki ride. So, yeah, happy to chat with you guys. No, it's super, it's super, super great. So, yeah, everybody, as I was saying, this is gonna be episode number three of the Broom Wagon Plus Gravel Epic mini series. And we're going to talk with Linda and Javier. We're going to talk a bit more about what they think about gravel. But, but why am I saying that? I think that probably the best thing that we can do, I'm going to try to drive you because we are going to be three talking on the mic and blah, 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 blah. Maybe we can, it, it can be, let's say, a bit tricky. I will try to drive or better to ride our conversation in the right direction. But I will probably call you by the name to talk about stuff. But I would say that probably starting from Linda, you can give us an intro about you, a bit more of a general thing. So instead of myself introducing you, it's better for you introducing yourself. So I'm not going to mess up with name, surname, and stuff like this. Even if I already think sure. that I messed up with your name, Javier. It's Javier Xavier, how can I call you? Uh, the way you want, like depending on your your origin, people will say Xavier, Javier, or Xavier if you're English speaker. So yeah, okay. uh, I, I understand everything. So that's all right. Perfect. With Linda, it's a bit easier for the name, but I would say for that the, I w- for the first name, yes. exactly. The second name <laughs> probably is better for you to say it because it's sure. a bit complicated. So yeah, if you can give us an intro yes. about you, Linda. Sure. So I'm Linda Fortsadi. It's a Hungarian last name. Okay. Um, I my father is Hungarian. Um, I moved to Canada when I was quite young, so I, I kind of grew up there. I have all my education from Canada, mm-hmm. and I came to Switzerland. I, I live in Switzerland now, so I came here. Uh, I guess it's been six years, so I, I'm past that point where I remember. <laughs> so it starts <laughs> to blur in, and uh, five, six, seven. I don't know anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, um, I'm a mathematician by outside, outside cycling, I guess. Um, I came here because of that. Uh, I came to the university initially, uh, and now I work as a data scientist. I'm actually starting a new position in, uh, Bern, um, soon. So I'm, I'm working on my German <laughs> that's something, uh, okay. something fun for this summer. Good luck for uh, yes. that. Good, really good luck for that. Yes, uh, French is already uh, was uh, quite a challenge to begin with. So now, uh, now moving one step up, <laughs> and uh, yes, otherwise I um, I really started cycling a lot in Switzerland. Uh, mm-hmm. So for me, it was a way of uh, discovering the country. And because I came with just two suitcases and no no friends, no acquaintances, nothing here. So I actually everyone I met was more or less through cycling. Uh, so it kind of created this uh, this environment around me, and all my friends uh, cycle a lot. And uh, then I met my husband through cycling, and uh, we we cycle all the time together. So it, it just kind of happened, I guess, uh, cycling and Switzerland at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I think it comes kind of natural for me. I don't know if people want to listen to my story, but anyways, we are here. We are chitty-chatting. For me, it was actually the other way around. (laughs) I was coming to Switzerland because of cycling. Before, I was living in Berlin, and it was a lot of fixed gear, riding into the city, helicopters, and these kind of things. But then it was too boring to ride the bike in the flat 
places, uh, flat roads. So I said, okay, probably it's time to move to Switzerland. I was lucky because my girlfriend already lived here, so it was an easy move. But yeah, cycling in Switzerland is just something that clicks automatically. Uh, what about you, Javier? Can you give us a bit of intro about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Xavier Massard. Uh, you could call it the French way if you want, because I'm natively French speaker. I'm from Belgium. Uh, uh, moved recently to Geneva. For me, it's more recent, so I can give you the dates for sure. It's January 2020. 2020. Okay. So I kind of just arrived here. Um, by trade, I'm a biologist, but uh, for the last three, four years, I've been doing more and more cycling related jobs and position and stuff. So as an athlete and during ultra long distance races, like the Trans America bike race, the Transcontinental, uh, all those kinds of long distance events. Uh, and now also by trade because I work in a bike shop now here in Geneva. That's super amazing. I remember that we had this conversation on Monday when we met. And uh, yeah. I, and actually, you were telling me exactly that you are a biologist now working in a cycling shop. It's a cool thing that at the end of the day, it's everything a bit kind of related, you know? You're putting your passion around and then you can become a job and then you're riding the bike. And this gives you all the time and extra motivation of exploring something more most of the time. It's cool not to stick on what you do, basically. And on the other side, it's cool to have also a plan B close to your passion, not only cycling. It's a dual thing that actually... I don't know, gives you a bit more of inspiration and flexibility of things that you are doing. Yeah, sure. And, and, and I've always been pretty flexible. So I did quite a few different jobs. I lived abroad. I lived, so yeah, I can, I can adapt myself. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, 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 that's super interesting. And uh, yeah, it's super cool to have this kind of, let's say, a multiple uh, flexible attitude because you never know what happens in the future. So it's always cool. Exactly. Yeah. So it seems like, anyways, a bit more recent, a bit less recent, cycling was always more or less in uh, your life, uh, people, and that's super great. But at a certain point, and that's why we are here, it seems like actually the gravel cycling kicked into your cycling life or life in general. I would probably start from here asking you people, you decide the order or who wants to start, but what's, in your opinion, gravel? Because I had this conversation already with Anthony, I had this conversation already with Sean, but what's gravel cycling in your opinion? Uh, do you want to go first, Xavier? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, gravel uh, cycling is is um, having the abilities with different type of road bike to explore different type of roads. So I will always relate that gravel cycling to... you. I have a past of road cyclists and because the evolution of cycling industry and bikes, we could start exploring more and more remote roads and, and in bad condition type of roads and, and do some, yeah, leave the roads a bit more. So for me, gravel cycling started as a road cyclist and to explore less, less explored roads. So, and then, then there's no limit on that. So if you get a, uh, a gravel bike that's more advanced than you go you you uh, you step on mountain bike path at one point but yeah that's that's my my vision of it that's great what about you linda yeah that actually um sounds uh very much what i was thinking because i also come from road cycling 
Um, and in addition to just, you know, exploring like completely or, or, or entirely different roads, uh, for me, it's also a bit of an attitude. Um, so I find, for example, my gravel bike, I don't have a power meter. Oh, wow. I don't do, <laughs> I don't do workouts. Okay. I don't, um, yeah, I don't ever think about performance. I mean, that, that's all the road cycling, uh, uh, end of it. So, so for me, gravel is just, um, you know, the bike you take when you just want to pedal and not, not worry about, uh, necessarily training or, um, even like even issues with kit, for example, I'm way more picky with my road cycling kit. It has to, you know, there, there are certain rules and I feel like I have to feel good that day to put on my road cycling kit and go on the road bike. But gravel can be everything. It can be, you can feel good. You can feel maybe not so sure you want to go for a ride and you just like grab your gravel bike anyway. And then maybe it turns into a, a bigger ride than you thought. Uh, it's the bike you take when maybe it's raining, uh, because maybe you don't care so much about getting it, uh, dirty. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit, it fills all the gaps, I guess, out, out, outside of, um, what road cycling is for me. That's super great. No, I really like actually the answer that you, the answers that you gave me people, because exactly it's a bit of a mix. My idea is for sure for me, gravel cycling is a bit more an attitude, than just the terrain that you're riding. I like, for example, I, I say this all the time. For me, also road cycling. So cycling on the road bike can be gravel when you go out without having anything in mind. Just being out and knowing that you're going out in the morning and you're going to come sometime back home and you can take whatever turn left or right that you're doing without being stressed on time, without being stressed on performances and anything. So Gravel riding is really be on the bike and be yourself and live the the now and at the moment. And uh, who cares at a certain point that that's something that I should avoid, but I'm doing it most of the time. Who cares if from time to time you're on the road bike and you're taking an unpaved uh, road? It can be, of course, <laughs> messy and dirty, but on the other side, it's way more fun on doing it. Um so yeah, this is great actually to kick off the conversation, but then I would love to know more. It seems like the both of you started really cycling on a road bike, but how then gravel kicked in into your life? It was, for example, because that's something that happened. Now also the TCR, the Transcontinental Race, they're putting in, I think from 2017 and more, uh, they're actually putting in a bit more of uh, um, gravel into the spectrum and it's not only road it's not only paved road but also those kind of events are going a bit more into gravel but how gravel arrived into your life well the, for me the transition is pretty easy because it's it's true the way you were describing so first uh, i i did a quite a long tour across canada so i bike back across canada um, from west to east in 2016 and even it was like a, a touring type of ride uh i was not really like paying attention to choose a road or gravel roads or something like that so it was i had a bike that could could do it so i was like yeah okay if there's less traffic on that gravel road i'll, I'll go this way even if it's slower and then i started enjoying more and more to leave the roads and go a different path and then as you mentioned when i start racing ultra distance races like the Transam or the TCR uh, because because on these these races are so long there's always going to be one one time where they're not going to find the roads to go through 
point A to point B and they're going to get you to a gravel section. And yeah, started enjoying more and more. And, and if there's a way to leave completely the road and go only on this type of path and well, just to choose it. That's super great. What about you, Linda? Actually, you were mentioning before that you have a road bike with a power meter and all the performance things that are close to that. But then at a certain point, you actually, you bounced upon the the gravel cycling. How did it happen? Yeah, so I guess the first thought was a winter bike for me because I'm one of the rare people in Switzerland that don't ski in the winter. Uh, so I just continue cycling all year round. And I did want initially... Um, actually it was for disc brakes. So I wanted disc brakes and I wanted um, maybe thicker tires mm -hmm. and without even knowing, uh, I actually ended up uh, towards the gravel at the, at that point with this choice. And, uh, initially with a more of a cyclocross bike that would then change the gearing and, uh, made a couple of adjustments and then with a full on gravel bike as well. But I guess it started with more this year round cycling um, and to keep cycling here in the winter. Yes. Okay. Okay. It's uh, this makes a lot of sense. Another thing that actually comes into my mind is that so gravel has a super broad spectrum, right? So it can be really a ride in the forest close by home can be a big bike packing, uh, something like, I don't know, holiday, or it can be an ultra-endurance race, or it can be really going with the bike on, um, on I'll say, with drop bar bike on a trail itself. So it's really a super huge spectrum because actually nobody really set up the rules that, and that's the amazing part of gravel cycling, in my opinion. But which kind of, uh, let's say, nuances of uh, gravel cycling did you already explore and what do you want to explore a bit more uh, for, um i so uh, as as you mentioned i did, definitely did explore the bikepacking part of it so just like grab my grab my 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 um my gear for a few days in my tent and just go explore and and do a bb when i feel like i should uh, i'm tired so like uh, as a really way to adventure and explore that that's really kind of like yeah one one of the way and the others is as we mentioned uh, we co we come from road cycling and yeah racing is also really something i like i like i like to be competitive and so racing a gravel event is is yeah like uh, on a more competitive way shorter uh, than ultra distance but uh that's also something i enjoy yeah what about you linda yeah i also started with uh bikepacking and that's the part that i still really attracts me the most uh i, I usually spend the week like looking for uh new roads and, and things to do in the weekend and it's always easier to just go on a bikepacking uh style and just stop um like xavier said when when without planning ahead of time basically you don't know what the conditions will be so you just stop when when there's a good uh, good opportunity and that's kind of the the side that still intrigues me the most but one thing i'd like to do is some some racing and i haven't yet actually on on the gravel bike uh, i've been signed up to many races but uh, they've all been postponed so that that's one aspect where I, i'm a bit apprehensive to be honest because i i don't want to um, I don't want to put like pressure on myself and, and turn into something like uh, road cycling. So I still want to keep that kind of fun aspect of gravel, but at the same time, it'd be nice to see, uh, I guess what's, what's possible to see uh, these type of nonstop races. Also, they kind of 
intrigued me to, to see how that component with managing the sleeping time and uh, uh, the non non supported style as well. That, that's kind of, I guess, what uh, I'd like to try in the in the next years. So yeah, that's probably something that you already talked about, probably, or you're gonna talk about, right? Because it seems like Javier is already a bit a bit of experience in this ultra cycling events, right? Yes, yeah, sure. Like all the unsupported thing and sleep deprivation and all that aspects are really like driving me. And and uh, I've been doing more on road than off road, but. Uh, so I've done one, the Veneto gravel last, uh, last June, um, and I'll be racing further in the Pyrenees in two weeks. And, wow. and so, yeah, I have, I have a few, few things on the schedule and I'm really happy to, to transpone that ultra cycling from the road to the off-road scene. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, something that yeah, that's super interesting. And just I want to go a bit deep. That's super spontaneous, by the way, people. So you talked about further, right? Yeah. How yeah. do you feel with uh, this new kind of, of course, because of COVID, I should drop one coin into my COVID jar. It's gonna come later, anyways. <laughs> feel free. You know, people that I'm gonna put all the coins that I need to do. No worries. Uh, but actually, because of COVID, Camille actually decided to put together a bit of a different event so not everybody starting together but having weekends where people can compete uh time-wise let's say time trialing on the on the course itself how do you feel with that actually javier it's uh better or you prefer the vibes of being all the contender together i'm i'm super curious so i've always been racing like bigger events where you're all in the starting line and you push yourself all the way and you you see the competitors on 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 like and at your sides but at the same time in all these events like most part of the race is always through the gps tracker because at one point the competitors are so spread that you, you don't see each other you just see a, a dot on the map so it is kind of what is going to be looking like this for the further because racers have been raised the weekend before you or after or, and you'll be just racing a dot on the map as well and do a time trial ultra, which is really interesting. So, yeah, I'm really curious and excited because also Camille is quite of a character that keeps a lot of mysteries about, about the planning and organization. So it's, it's, yeah, it's part of like, you, you go there, you don't really see what you, what you're going to experience, but it's part of it. So I'm, yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah. You actually, I think that you actually placed and pointed right, really on the right direction. Or like the gravel cyclists like to say it, you really hit the nail from the head. That's the way to say <laughs> uh, Because, yeah, Camille is a great character. He likes to keep really secrets on a lot of things. And I think that actually the format that he got this year, so a, something like a, an ultra or uh, an ultra a time trial, individual time trial, on dirt packed with hiker <laughs> bike well i think it's something unique only him can come out with this kind of thing only he can do it exactly and it, it's so hard to get ready for it at the same time so absolutely because you know like there's that north night curfew thing so if you not at one one exact point before 7 p.m you have to stop so it's like you you cannot plan if you're going to pack super light and be able to push through that point or you're going to have to stop so sleep so it's really, really like a yeah interesting <laughs> when do you say that you're going to do it in a couple of weeks you said right yeah i'm go the weekend of 26 27 so yeah 10 days 
Perfect. Then best of luck for that. We are going to all follow you on your social media. It's going to be super fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Linda, on the other side, I want to ask you, thinking about projects for the future and whatever, you were telling me during that event in a secret location where you can, we cannot say where we were, but actually we were riding the <laughs> bike together, that you are planning to do also an ultra endurance event. So the Atlas Mountain Race, what do you think about that? How do you feel? Are you still planning uh, to do it, by the way? Yes, so I'm still signed up for the February, um, okay. I guess, 2022 edition. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a spontaneous uh, sign-up, I must admit. But I really liked the... I looked at the sign-up sheet and I liked the questions. They really made you uh, think um, about, uh, you know, what can happen in different situations, how would you react, and it almost... Uh, I said, oh, I have to try it now. I have to fill, uh, fill out my answers and, and see what, uh, kind of leave it in the hands of the other organizers if, if they accept me or not. And I, I filled out the entry as a duel with my husband. Um, so, yes, I, I'm, I'm still planning to do it. It's for sure going to be, um, if it ends up being the first, which it actually might be because of all the other cancellations, it might actually be my, my entry into... Uh, in true ultra distance, which I guess, uh, from what I hear, it's not necessarily the easiest one to, to start with. Yeah. Um, and also the, the countries, uh, I have a lot of experience, but in the Alps here. So it, it's a completely different, uh, you know, being in the European Alps and then being in the, the Atlas Mountains, it's uh, completely different logistics and uh, sources and so on. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an adventure. Uh, it's going to be, of course, an adventure. So I just want to add a, another couple of things. And then I'm going to ask you also another question. So um, first of all, I just want to put a comment here. I think Nelson, from the people that I know and everything, it's really the classic prototype of the ultra endurance race organizer, race director, because he really tries to get the best people, the most the people that are fitting the best in the competition that he puts on, because he's also on the other side, completely different characters. Uh, we were talking about Camille, now talking about Nelson, because he also likes to put a lot of tricks around the roots. So for these reasons, he needs really to be sure that you're really prepared of what can happen on your road. And also another thing Nelson chooses usually super uh, remote locations where to put his races. Of course, now is the period where the Silk Road mountain race is on. And of course, that's a completely different level. It's a completely different beast. You are finding yourself in a really remote place where there are stretches of hundreds of kilometers without villages and stuff. Morocco is a kind of a similar thing, but a, with some more tricks. And I was having with him this conversation and really the task of the race director there to choose the right people for the event is probably the most difficult. So that's why I also know a bit of the questions that it puts on in order to choose the participants. And they can completely understand that probably it's as, maybe not as challenging as uh, the race itself, but for sure it's funny to, to take part to it. Um, another thing that I want to tell you about, okay, um, differences between riding in the Alps and riding in the Atlas Mountains. I can give you just one tip if you want, Linda bring a lot of chain lube because <laughs> the chain gets a lot of mud, gets some water when you find some water because river crossing is always in Nelson's races and gets a lot of dirt and whatever. So be sure that you need to clean your, uh, yes, your drivetrain often and then you have to lube it again. The time that I was at the Atlas Monte race, 
yes, because of the Silk Road Monterey's people were a bit more prepared on that. But in the, uh, the Atlas Monterey's, I found a lot of people that was putting the oil of the sardines, you know, the sardine cans oh uh, on top of the <laughs> of the chain because they finished completely their lubes and they had actually to find a hack on doing it. And I've seen a lot of chains snapped and uh, everything like this. So yeah, it's going to be super fun. Another thing that I want to ask you in this case is that at what did you so you told us that actually you signed up for other ultra endurance events but there were a lot of cancellation what did you have in plan before uh, the Atlas Mountain Race in February that probably is not going to happen so the Atlas um, Mountain Race is going to happen I, the other ones that are not going to yeah. happen uh, they are happening, but I guess there were change of dates always, mm -hmm. so it didn't always fit my schedule. But the one I wanted to start with was actually Badlands uh -huh. yeah. in the south of Spain. So um, at least my impression was that that would have been a better starting point than the Atlas Mountain Race. Like the order would have been to do Badlands first and then the Atlas Mountain Race. But unfortunately, the dates, uh, it was supposed to be in May, which would have suited me really well. But um, now I think it's everything is September, October, it seems. And it's very, uh, it's a very short uh, squished in uh, season with also the road races I have. So uh, it didn't really, didn't really work out for me. But that was one. And then... Um, I don't even remember now. Okay. <laughs> I, had a, I had quite a few projects at the beginning, but uh, I think that was the one that I was really uh, wanting to start with and uh, then it got postponed, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Um, so I would love now at the moment to start something like a little session or these or that questions. I mean, I'm going to go with the sharp questions with a choice. Can be funny, can be not. And then I would love you uh, to, to give me an answer or what's the thing that you prefer and then if you want also add on a, a little anecdote on that i don't know if you're how would you feel actually uh, let's see actually this is going to be something like an experiment let's see how do you feel with these kind of questions and stuff i can tell you that i sent you some stuff some topics in advance but for sure something else something else is going to pop up so be prepared with that <laughs> um I would say that I would also here try to lead the path. I would go for the first questions and maybe here, uh, Linda, you can go first on giving the answer and then Javier. And then at a certain point, we're going to swap it around. No worries. I'm going to lead with that. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Perfect. I will go with the simples, uh, simplest, simplest and easiest one for me because it's something that came into my mind on Monday during the recon. And I'm going to tell you why later. But let's start from here. 650 Bs or 700 Cs? Ooh. <laughs> uh, 650. Okay. What about you, Javier? Uh, I'm uh, 700. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me go a bit deep into that. Uh, I'm not going to ask you <laughs> why, because it's pretty clear, but I want to ask Xavier, actually, you say 700 C, but actually your tire width, it's kind of anyway <laughs> super important. I've seen, they were 29ers, basically, your tires. Exactly. Like, I, I was riding the 29, uh, I have like a kind of like a monster gravel as well, and, and Monday I was riding that, but usually I'm riding 700 C. Okay, okay. And so here I would go a bit more deep into that as well. Uh, which kind of width of, so how many millimeters is the width of your tires usually for a no, one of your normal rides? So Linda, for you, second, 750, how many inches is the width of your tires? Uh, two, 2.1. Oh yeah, okay. Um, it took me a long time to switch to the 650s. Uh, I was on 700s, but I have both, but I was mostly just on 700s. And then once I switched to the really big tires, it's just so comfortable. 
uh, it's hard to, uh, unless I know that's going to be only pavement, like maybe bad pavement, then I would put back the, the 700s. But honestly, I just find it so comfortable, the big tires. And I'm someone that um, needs all the confidence that they can get on, on off-road. So for me, it's always, um, yeah, it's worth it. Even if you lose a bit of uh, speed, I mean, yeah, for me anyway, gravel, it's not, it's not so, so much about performance. So I, I'd better take the comfort and to also give me more confidence as well. Yeah. What about you, Javier? It's uh, Xavier better. 43, 43 mil on the 700. And I've been trying the 650 with 2.25. Wow. And it's just, just too slow and too not running as, as good as 700C. So, yeah. Don't really like it. Okay, okay. Well, I'm gonna give you something here. I don't want actually to something like steal your time, but I just want to say a couple of words. So I have been mostly almost riding uh, 650Bs on my uh, on my gravel bike. Um, I actually had a little parenthesis with 700Cs and 40 millimeters, but then I always have ridden 650Bs. But then a couple of weeks ago, because of a problem of my uh, on my rear derailleur, I actually snapped three or four. I think uh, spokes on my 650B bike, wasting completely my, my hub as well. So for the recon that we have done, I went back to my 30mm 700C um, wheels. Well, I think that I need actually to buy a new wheel probably and get back to 650Bs. I'm the same as you, Linda. I need as much confidence as I can. And with 650Bs, with 2.2 usually uh, inches on my uh, open up, I feel way more comfortable and who cares if you are slower. So I'm also of your team, Linda. <laughs> uh, the second question that I want to ask you here is one buy or two buy? Again, Linda. Hmm. Uh, I've always said one buy. Okay. Uh, and actually, that's one of the things when I go back to the road bike that uh, it's like, oh, no, I have to think about that again. <laughs> uh, I, I love one buy. It's simple for the brain and uh, you can just focus on other things. Yeah. And it, I guess it's... Um, it's hard to compare for me because I haven't had two by, but just knowing through the type of conditions, like the mud and everything, I, I just feel like one by is, is simpler and uh, less less likely to cause you problems. And now I have the I have the Ecar group set. The, oh yeah, the so I, I don't, I, Yeah, I don't have an issue as before between um, finding. I'm quite happy with the range, um, so I don't I don't feel like I really need uh, need more than that. How many gears? So, how many? Uh, what do you call them? How many? Yeah, gears do you have actually with the Ecker? It's twelve or thirteen? I forgot about that. It's thirteen. Oh, thirteen, yes. And you can. Um, I have a thirty-eight at the front, and then they have three size, uh, three different size cassettes depending on what kind of uh, cycling you want to do. But I'm with the with the biggest one usually because uh, it's a bit the same. Uh, <laughs> I guess the same uh, strategy as with the big tires. I, I figure, you know. Uh, it's always good to have an extra gear, and uh, it can only help. So yeah, I have I have yeah. something like a philosophy here: better to have the easy gear, not to use it, than not having it, and you would need it. So exactly. it's always the good one. And if I spin out on the on the downhill, I just take a break. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's that as well. yeah, that's absolutely I, I know perfect. if you want to race, then it's it's more important. And I know I have many friends who are concerned about you know, like in a race, being able to to push a big gear. But with the type of gravel cycling that I do, and if it's like all day, I'm honestly happy to to rest a bit if I spin out. So it's no worries. Yeah, that's yeah, that's absolutely the same thing that they do. And I can tell you, people, that they have one by also on the road bike. I think you saw it, Linda. So one yes, by forever. Yeah. 
What about you, Xavier? Same, same team as you, Stefano. One bike forever. Even on the road bike, the endurance road bike, I have one bike. And works perfectly. We yeah. have oval, oval chain ring, but ah. one, one bike. Okay, okay. Can I ask you what road bike do you have with one bike and also with which group set? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm riding only curved titanium bikes and I have an endurance, the Belgian Spirit from Curve as well, my endurance road bike. And I'm riding 42 up front and 1042 at the back. It's pretty much doable for everything. I even did a triathlon with it last year and wow. did, did the 25 like chrono. So you can do it. Of sure. course. You, you spin a bit more, but it's all right. Yeah, at the end, if you have a 9 as a little cog at the back, or even a 10 or 11, who cares, you know? Maybe 9 is something like if you really want to uh, want to have the extra push, 42.9, it's pretty doable for everything, also for the downhills. Yeah. But anyways, as you were saying, you can also take it a bit more easy. Exactly. Uh, the other question that they have, and I think that actually now we're going to start with Xavier, because you already answered to me, uh, for me to these questions. And actually, I wrote here something like, carbon or steel? I mean, metal or uh, fibers let's put it in this way because you <laughs> talked about titanium so tell me more about that metal metal all the way it's way more durable it's more comfortable to ride than carbon uh, I've, and i've been riding carbon for years before um i've been riding steel and titanium and there's no way it's you can find anything more comfortable to ride than this and for any type of endurance, gravel, bikepacking event, the comfort is keys. So I don't care if it's one kg heavier, it's, it gets me one hour longer than someone on a carbon frame. So I, I go for metal. That's perfect. Can I ask you a question also here? Uh, so you said actually that you had steel bikes and uh, now you have a titanium bike. What is your favorite at the moment? Which one is the main difference in a few words? Uh, titanium for sure, because like steel, it was super comfortable, but sometimes uh, too flexible. So okay. I feel like sometimes you, you're riding a sponge bike because when you really load it, you feel, you can really feel the flex of it and some, yeah. For more racy uh, perspective, the titanium is still on a better way because it's, it, it gets some resilience, it, it absorbs the vibration, but at the same time, it's still still gonna respond like somehow like a carbon frame, like really take don't 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 take some some like easy talk on this, but not a carbon, but it's it's still gonna give back the energy. So. More titanium than steel. Perfect. What about you, Linda? Metal or fibers? So carbon or steel? Uh, so I can uh, I can't really say because I've always had the carbon. Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, I haven't tried anything else, but uh, I have a 3T Explorer carbon, and I, I guess I go for the comfort more in the tires with the big tires and low pressure. So uh, I've never tried anything else. Uh, my husband does have a titanium bike. Um, wow. The only thing I can say is that it's very heavy <laughs> when I uh, when I have to move it, but uh, he is very happy with it. So uh, I guess it must uh, it must count for something. But personally, I, I love how light my 3T is. Uh, maybe if I try something else, I would say differently. But at the moment, uh, yeah, that's that's all I know, and I'm I'm quite happy with it. Yeah. Um, also, here I can say actually from my two cents. So before having my 3T uh, Strada on the other side, I had as well only steel bikes and I used I was used to love it. Now I have a, 
of course, the carbon bike is my road bike, but on the other side, I have a carbon bike also as a gravel bike, and I'm still starting reconsidering it. I would love to have probably a steel bike as a gravel bike. Let's see what the future is going to tell me. Let's see. I, I'm going to think about that. But I'm completely with you as well, Linda, saying that actually, if you want to go for a bit more of, uh, um, let's say, comfortable stuff and comfortable rides and whatever, probably you can affect a bit more it with a couple, so let's say half of a bar or stuff like this on the tire pressure. And it's the same thing, actually, what, what you were saying before, Xavier. So titanium, because it gives you a bit more of responsiveness uh, or during the pedal stroke. But then if you want to go for comfortable, you can just go with a different time, uh, tire width. And uh, yes, that's super interesting. Uh, what else? Yes, I have another this or that question. I will try to be shorter on that. So flared handlebars or compact handlebars? Linda. <laughs> compact <laughs> I uh, yeah compact I, I have a small shoulder width and on the road I have really small I have 38 mm -hmm. and I don't want to go too too far away from that uh, because I still spend uh, I'd say well still the majority of my time probably on the road bike um, so I never wanted a position that was uh, too too different from that so Maybe maybe it's because I don't know better, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm on the compact side. Okay, what about Tux, Xavier? <laughs> uh, and I'll be on the flared, like super flared. I don't know if he, <laughs> if, he, if you do, haven't seen a picture of my bike. I have a 65 centimeter uh, warmer bars, so it's drop bars that are super wide. Uh, it's really like kind of like a mountain bike type of uh, handlebars. It's really comfortable to ride because it opens up your chest and you breathe super easily and also because it's so wide that gives you so much handling skills better than a short bar so flared and all the way yes uh, i actually defined i don't know if i told you or somebody else i defined your handlebar on monday like an Oktoberfest uh tray <laughs> One of those trays where you are putting 700,000 beers. It was exactly of that length. It was wonderful to see, really. <laughs> um, another question that I want to ask you, and also here we can start from Xavier, is what do you prefer for your rides? Going in compact gravel or in sturdy with sturdy and rocky trails? Uh, a bit of both, I guess. Like I don't mind fast gravel and I don't mind... I can buy section because the gravel is not gravel anymore. So I can go both definitely 50-50. Uh, okay. What about you, Linda? Uh, a priori, I guess I like the compact. But uh, actually, uh, Xavier's answer reminds me that sometimes uh, when I'm really tired, I almost wish for the hike bike <laughs> to come. And then, and then once I'm on the hike bike, I really wish for the easy gravel again. So maybe the change is also nice on a long day. It's... Um, it, um, and even in the winter, you know, what I noticed is that when you walk a bit pushing your bike, your toes uh, warm back up. So uh -huh, yeah. it's, uh, it true. can have advantages as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Again, I want to ask another question, Xavier, if you want to, you can go first. And is what do you prefer on a bicycle kind of skills or um, bicycle skill set? Let's put it in this way for gravel. It's better bike handling or pure power? Um... I think bike handling uh, is definitely more my side. Uh, never, I've never been riding power meter or anything like that. So pure power is really not my style. It's more about having skills and be able to stay longer on the bike than riding fast. 
cool. What about you, Linda? Hmm. Can I can I say both? You can <laughs> say both. Cheating? No, 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 no. You can I say think, both. I think both. I mean, for sure, bike handling is for me a weakness. Uh, everybody that's with, uh, ridden with me knows that. Uh, but I recognize it's important. So I would never say uh, you know you can get away with pure power. But then I also think, especially on uphills, um, being able to to spin faster and then with more power can can make your life a lot easier too. Yeah, 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 perfect. I will go for the other one. And uh, I would say, Linda, you can go first. Uh, actually, I have two that are pretty well connected. I will start with this one. Lycra or baggy shorts, or even better, uh, <laughs> jersey or kind of cotton <laughs> T-shirt, really, I don't know, fluffy on the wind? Yeah, well, I do come from road cycling. <laughs> okay. So I haven't, I haven't yet, uh, you know, I've gone as far as getting a Merino jersey, mm -hmm. <laughs> if, if that counts. But that was, uh, I haven't gone to the baggy, baggy things yet. But a funny thing is that I actually uh, planned uh, a few gravel rides um, as part of the Gravel Epic Ambassador Program. And those were the first rides that I've um, actually uh, planned myself where it was not road. And on the first one, almost the majority of people showed up with baggy, you know, uh, checkered shirts. And, and I felt a bit out of my, uh, as, as the ride leader, and I was dressed in Lycra, I felt like I was uh, somehow less, let's say, less experienced or le less of a real graveler. But uh, no, the truth is that I'm still, um, I use more or less interchangeably the same clothes for road and gravel. That's great. What about you, Xavier? Yeah. Oh, Lycra, Lycra always, uh, like, yeah, really, uh, uh, there's nothing that beat the comfort of, uh, of good bib shorts and, and, and not chafing from the, bib, the, the cargo shorts or anything like that. So yeah, even if I go touring and, and I go bikepacking, I'll go for Lycra. Cool, cool, cool. Let's stay on this side because I told you that actually these two questions were really related. I'm going to tell you also why. Because usually when you're going out with something like not a jersey but a t-shirt or whatever, a baggy shirt or whatever, a flanella shirt, usually you don't have the something like uh, the pockets on them. Uh, the question that I would ask you is completely clean frame or a lot of bags? Linda. Ooh, completely clean frame or... Well... How would the completely clean frame work? Would somebody transport my bags? <laughs> or, uh, or, or you're putting completely clean. I mean, that actually, uh, for example, you're going out for a long gravel ride and you are stuffing all your things, food and... Uh, ah, I don't in know, the pockets. In the pockets and everything, ah. like the real roadies do. Because I know, I think okay. that actually roadies, okay. they don't even like the saddlebag yes. with all yes. the things I, on I that. see now. I see now the, why yeah. the questions are connected. So... Actually, at the beginning, uh, we used to see, uh, when we were only road cycling with my husband, and we used to see um, uh, bags on, uh, like, little top tube bags or something. We always used to make fun or say, like, oh, they're triathletes or uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know. And then, But, you know, they're useful. And the little top tube one, the, the one I have on my gravel bike, is there, like, all the time now. That's the one that's it's always on. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's uh, I love it. Even if I just commute or even if I just go see a friend for a barbecue, I, I put, uh, you know, whatever I need extra in there instead of uh, stuffing it in my pocket. So I guess I'm a bit transitioning there. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm moving more towards uh, the practic practicability of bags as opposed to the, the roadie, uh, know everything in your pocket style. <laughs> okay. What about Tuxavia? I, I guess a little bit of both on this one because, uh, as I said, Lycra goes with jersey and pockets, so I always get 
stuff in my pockets, but because I always pack way too much things, I still need bags on my bag. So <laughs> okay. a bit a bit of both. Okay, okay. So we're talking about packing, so we need to talk about food. What do you bring for uh, your gravel ride? Is bars and gels and stuff or handmade pizzas, burritos and stuff like this? Linda here. Um, so I, I love buying food on the road if, if I'm, you know, not super time pressed. But even, even when time pressed, I, even just stopping at a service station or something, mm -hmm. that's kind of my... Um, what I prefer. And then in terms of what I actually do take, uh, I love the Ote uh, bars uh, from the Ote route. I've been introduced to them and they're uh, more like a flapjack style. So they're, they're not, um, you, you don't necessarily have to think of like a gel or something. Uh, that's something I always take like one or two per day, more like an emergency uh, backup. Mm -hmm. But otherwise I love to stop. And if I can stop in the mountains, in the small, uh, type of chalets that have uh, like a tart or, or something nice. Uh, that's, that's part of my, my favorite part of uh, actually bikepacking. So perfect. Yeah. Xavier, you? I'll go for bars and, and no gels because I don't do gels, but definitely granola bars, cereal bars, whatever bars you can pack. And yeah, I, I, uh, always stop for bakery on the way but i'll pack I'll, I'll, of course and a coffee but I'll, I'll pack most of what i need for right yes perfect so i will start again with you xavier and this is also super related so gravel riding means prs or coffee stops mm, uh, coffee stops for sure <laughs> okay 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 what about you linda Uh, can I put that to uh, bakery stops? <laughs> yes, 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 of course, of course. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Also uh, cake stops they, can be okay. Yeah, exactly. That That's it for me then. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. And another one is solo or so riding solo or riding in a group or riding in a crew. What's the best for you, Xavier? Uh, I, I like riding in crews, but our, uh, and, and for the social aspect of it, like I, I still do weekly, but... For me, gravel is also about exploring and there's no better way to, than just going by yourself and, and, and yeah, and taking a path and then that doesn't go well while well, you just turn around, put yourself in, in, in trouble, but by yourself and there's no crew, crew related to that. So people don't rely because usually I'm leading the ride and if I bring people to, some sort of exploration the crew always will complain about oh it's not a ride we have to push our bikes and we have to turn around and so uh, a bit of both okay i just want to add the two cents my sense on that i think that actually you get the perfect crew where when you can go outside exploring with them and nobody complains if you have to take another road or if you have to change the plan or if you have to hike the bike then for me is the perfect ride going together with people that's super flexible, that actually they like a bit of adventure, pure adventure, whatever it is. Even just sleeping in the hoods because you were too late to go back home. So for me, this is the best thing. Um, Linda, what about you? Better going solo or going together, going with a crew, going with a group of people? Um, I guess I'd be more towards the solo, except that I always ride with my husband, so I guess mm -hmm. it's more a duel. But it's really yeah. more in the in the solo style. <laughs> um, it um, I guess we just got super used to riding together, but we, it's not um, 
it's not like a very chatty, <laughs> let's say, experience. It's still a lot of exploration and a lot of, like Xavier was mentioning, like getting stuck and uh, things turning out not the way you wanted. And uh, that we can for sure do more of that if it's only the two of us. Um, we tried some in, uh, in bigger, like maybe six, seven people. Uh, for me, the pressure there is that often I plan the routes myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just really stressful <laughs> because it just it ends up, you know, if you have like a 12 hour day or I remember one time there were six of us and uh, we were supposed to sleep in a really small place at the bottom of a, of a descent where it was the only place like within, I don't know what radius. Okay. And they were serving dinner at 8 p.m. and not later. That was the very last time. And of course, we were not there at eight and the descent was super technical and we're carrying our bikes on our shoulders after, you know, already 12 hours in the, on the day. So then, and then you're for sure taking a lot of um, responsibility for the route planning. Of course. Um, even though, even though people were in very good spirit and nobody, um, nobody necessarily complained, but you yourself, it still stresses you more than if, if you're just by yourself or, or just in a couple. But how did it end up then? You were still at 8 o'clock pushing uh, your bike and yeah, carrying it so on your shoulder. Yeah, so we had one person go ahead, <laughs> okay. the, the faster of us, uh, who uh, basically announced that we're, um, we're coming late. Um, and then we kind of had some relays, actually. So the people that still had more energy would go down, run back up, carry the bikes of the other people. It was like a complete uh, teamwork kind of shuffling the bikes down that mountain. But uh, the sun was setting. There was not much light left. But eventually we, we did make it maybe like 30, 40 minutes late and they, they had the plates for us. So the ending was okay, but there was a lot of uh, maybe squaring and uh, some uh, in between. It wasn't certain that it was going to work out. So perfect. Happy ending. Everybody was fed. Everybody ate something. Yeah, I mean, things always work out well, but sometimes you just feel like I finished some adventures with my friends and I, I get this feeling they're never going to want to cycle with me again. Okay. <laughs> because it's just, uh, it always ends up being like harder and longer. And uh, sometimes, yeah, I'm just worried that maybe it's a bit too much. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not very good at planning like easy <laughs> I guess uh, easy trips because if you if you have a vacation, I feel like you you should go for uh, you should be ambitious. You should uh, uh, try to go and and see what's possible. Uh, see how far you can get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go on a vacation, maybe a pure vacation, go on a spa, and it's exactly. way better. Yes, yeah, it's good to put a <laughs> yeah. bit of exploration. Anyways, we need to ride together. I think soon. I like actually all these adventure things that are coming up. I'm usually not the one complaining, so it's good. And I'm also super bad in planning, so I can completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> I have another couple of questions in this kind of form and is what do you prefer tunnels or switchbacks Xavier uh, switchbacks always well I will be always trying to stop and, and maybe take a picture of the switchbacks and say like oh that, that's that's a nice switchbacks yeah. uh, the grade is good the scenery at the back and yeah switchbacks has always been part of Climbing, climbing, riding uphill, and yeah, always attracts me. Yeah. What about you, Linda? Definitely switchbacks. And I'm wondering, would anybody say tunnels? <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm going to answer to that. We had a session, something like a section uh, on Monday during the, the recon <laughs> with three 
different tunnels at a certain point on the way... Okay, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to spoil too much the route. And they were something like natural one in the rocks with no cars and nothing, and they were really good. So these kind of tunnels, I really love them. And also after the second climb that we have done, there was also a kind of a bit more longish tunnels also there, completely on gravel, completely only for pedestrians at us and they were also light and also that tunnel was really nice so i was a bit more on this side of the tunnels of course mm. the tunnel that we have done on the other event where we have ridden together linda no way i hated <laughs> really i hated that one so i know what you mean <laughs> i had to wait for someone to go through it because i didn't want to go by myself yeah i was alone yeah. i want i was alone there yeah. because i was in the back and actually i just said especially on the way up i said okay i will take it easy i don't want to know also because it was a really long one i don't want really to know anything i'm gonna take it easy if some cars are gonna arrive i'm gonna try to keep the balance and keep the good mood and i was singing a lot in order to keep myself not let's say worried yeah but the other ones the, mean, one that, the one that we had with, with xavier they were different they were super nice it was okay. also raining inside they were super good sorry what you were saying linda <laughs> the only kind of advantage i can think of of tunnels if it's in the summer it's super hot mm. uh, and then they can be quite, quite nice and cool <laughs> so sometimes you could just go in for uh, just to cool off a bit but uh no overall i can't i can't say i'm a big tunnel fan no <laughs> okay last question on this uh Probably the last question. Maybe I have another one. No, no, no. This is going to be the last one. We all know that gravel bike means taking care of your bike a bit more. So in terms of maintenance, workshop or self-maintenance of the bike? Linda. Hmm. I'm not a very good example here. <laughs> okay. It's actually my uh, my husband <laughs> does all the mechanics. So I'm. Uh, I do have some... Um, some girlfriends that always make fun of me because they, they take great pride in, you know, doing the, the bike maintenance themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm actually, I'm afraid I'm a bad example. Okay. Uh, so it's, uh, it's self-maintenance through my husband. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. What about you, Xavier? Um, self, well, I work in a bike shop, so obviously I have all the, all the, the, the facilities to do all my, by myself with the helps of mechanics when it's something getting too too complicated but usually i do everything myself yeah. okay okay i can tell you here that i'm also a super bad example in general because i try to do stuff by myself and then i break bikes it happened actually to the gravel <laughs> bike that i have now the problem that i had with my rear derailleur was because i actually assembled the bike bicycle myself i tried to fix a couple of stuff until when everything slipped and i completely destroyed the back wheel and then i had to go to the bike workshop and spend a lot of money in order to fix stuff and the, the the wheel was completely unfixable. So I still need to spend more money to get a new real wheel. So, yeah, I know. That's just going to scare me off now, Stefano. I'm never even going to start. No, 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 no. You have actually, <laughs> only by failing, you can learn. That's actually a process that I say also for work and stuff. The best way, at least for me, the best learning curves for me are coming by failing. Doing stuff, knowing, uh, making mistakes, knowing where you make mistakes, and then start again, and then make mistakes again. It's a do all round. I have another couple of questions for you that are a bit more in the longer form. So maybe here we can start again from uh, Xavier. Can you tell us which one was the most epic day for you on the bike? The most epic day on the bike. Um, so last month I went on on bike. Bike, bike, uh, bike packing holiday with my girlfriend, and we 
we went through the Alps and I did a call which called Col du Parpaillon, which mm -hmm. is really which is a gravel pass um, next to La Bonnette et Col de Vars. Okay. Uh, but really high gravel pass and it took us forever to climb up there. It's like a 20k only gravel, 1,500 meter. Wow. Type of pass and yeah, it was the scenery was great. There was no one on that on that that gravel roads and yeah, definitely definitely a, an epic day. Yeah. What about you, Linda? Um, does it have to be gravel? Uh, <laughs> let's say that we don't care until it's epic. We are talking about gravel epic, <laughs> but until it's only epic, is good. Let's keep one of the okay. two. So epic is fine. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of, I mean, it's always hard to pick, right? There's so many. So it's either like going for the most recent. Um, but if I am to think, there is one day I did a long day by myself. Um, and as I mentioned, I don't ride often really by myself. So I did this um, Zurich Zermatt race, uh, which is basically like a time ultra time trial because we're, we're not allowed to, um, to be uh, together in a group. Okay. Uh, so it was the Chasing Cancellara one, right? Exactly. Okay. Yes. And it starts at 1 a.m. Um, yeah, and it, it was a lot of first for me. So even uh, navigating like for a whole day by myself, even... Uh, Just, you know, being ready to, uh, to fix a flat tire, to uh, make sure I eat enough, all these things which are pretty obvious. But I guess by always riding with my husband, I never fully took that responsibility on my own until this race came up. And, uh, yeah, it was, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's funny how for the mind, I found um, that if you're really by yourself, you, there's nobody else to blame. <laughs> so oh, when yeah. you're really, like, uh, suffering... Uh, You know, I really signed up for that by myself. So I, it's funny how I, I started being more positive, actually, than when I was riding with my husband. Because there I was relying on him to be positive and I could just complain. And then he would say, no, we're doing fine. But if I was really by myself, I had to be like, uh, you know what? I got this. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I finished third. I didn't even expect to, to place well. So uh, it, was a, it was a good lesson. And I was super... Uh, super proud of myself i guess to to finish it and to keep the positive attitude uh, throughout the whole day that's super great and uh, yeah i was having this conversation with a friend of mine one or two weeks ago because he was doing the ironman in uh, where was it in rappersville and actually i saw him coming to the end because i was there cheating for uh, cheer, cheating cheering for him <laughs> and uh, i was actually seeing coming after five hours of this alphan ironman or whatever with a huge smile And then at the end, something like we talked, and I said, how, how the hell, after this huge effort, how would you smile? And he told me, I'm doing what I love, and I choose myself, putting myself in this kind of situation. I cannot blame anybody, so I can only smile, because I'm doing what I love. There's nothing to complain, really. And that's the best attitude. You go out, you do something, and you need to keep the positive attitude, and that's great. Mm. I have the last question for you. Maybe we can ask from you, Linda. Do you have... Any of your, in this case, gravel, favorite loop that you are usually doing or around your where you live or whatever it is that you really like and you can probably describe to us? And if you have also a track on Komoot or whatever that you can give us and share with us. Hmm, sure. Um, so I do ride quite a lot around the Lausanne region. Um, 
And usually after work means that I go for like two, three hours maximum. Mm -hmm. So they're all kind of loops, uh, not too long, a bit north um, and a bit uh, towards the mountains above uh, Montreux region. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm um, now with this, um, with these rides I'm doing for the Gravel Epic. Uh, we, we started a Strava club uh, just called the Lausanne Gravel. And that's what we hope to do to kind of make them the usual uh, Tuesday after work uh, loops in the region. Um, and, and I guess the reason why I really like them is that you're in five, 10 minutes um, completely outside in the countryside. Uh, it doesn't feel like a city at all. Um, and you can really just uh, spend your afternoon uh, in complete quiet and, and peacefulness. And uh, then also you come back downhill and in uh, 10 minutes you're back, uh, you're back near the lake, you're back near uh, cities and uh, yeah, if anyone wants to see them, it's uh, Gravel Lausanne on Strava. Okay. Um, Tuesday, Tuesday after work rides. Yes, yes, yes. I think I need to take part to them. To one of them, of yeah. course. More than welcome. Yes, yes. I have a lot of friends in Lausanne, so really one time I can come over and also convince some of those to really use their gravel bikes instead of just going around the lake on tarmac with a gravel bike. What about Tuxavier? Do you have any loop that you would describe to us, recommend, and maybe share with us? Yeah, so as I mentioned, I really like climbing. So my favorite loop around here will be um, climbing the Signal des Voirons. Uh, so it's the back of like uh, the east part of Geneva in the French on the in the French side. Uh, it's it's a climb which is mixed road and mixed forest road, really really steep. And after you go down in the green valley uh, in France, and it's it's yeah, it's just super rolling, and then you follow the river uh, all together. I think back to Geneva it should be like a sixty kilometer loop, uh, and I've done it. I've done it by night. I've done it in in the snow last winter. I've done it like uh, yeah, it's it's kind of close to my my the bike shop i work with in so it's it's an easy after work loop for me and yeah you can you can follow me on Kamut or strava and you'll find that that route on my profile so and you can always if you're around here feel free to shoot me a message and i'll take you on that loop for sure that's perfect. I would love actually to have another ride with you people together and maybe discovering something a bit more because if I had to be completely sincere, I believe that on the gravel side, the Bernese part and Lausanne part and also the Geneva part are a bit more interesting than the one that I have here in Zurich where I know basically most of the of the loops but it's always good to discover something new so thanks a lot for the recommendation i'm gonna put anyways uh, the links that uh, you mentioned and whatever just in the description below so everybody can take inspiration for from your loops and also your sure. adventure people what to say thanks a lot do you have anything else that you want to add or a punch final punchline or something that we forgot to tell tell me more I would take it as a no if you don't answer. <laughs> uh, no, Linda, maybe you have something that... No, I'm... Yeah. yeah. Um, are you going for a bike ride today, Stefano? <laughs> no, then, uh, today I'm not going to go for a bike ride because I'm going to actually take the train and go to Andermatt, I think around 4 o'clock, so I finish some stuff, and then I will go to Andermatt for my classic road bike loop because passes. 
something that actually I like to do on the road in this case. And my classic that I do every year is actually starting from Andermatt, Furka Pass, Neufenen Pass, Tremola San Gotthard. It's 100 kilometers, 3,000 and stuff meters of elevation, positive. And this is going to happen tomorrow. So because I'm not in the oh, nice. perfect shape as the beginning of the season anymore, I actually, after the ride that I had on Monday, I didn't have super good feelings uh, anyways, but I tried to keep my legs kind of relaxed. And then tomorrow I'm going to do this loop. And this is our, this is going to be my my ride from of tomorrow. And then if I have time, probably I'm going to go also to the Oberal Pass, maybe Sunday or Saturday. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no bicycle rides for me today. What about you, people? Are you going to ride the bike today? Yeah, I might um, go for an easy loop, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So around, actually around Lausanne, right? Yeah, but not too much because also because of the seven-day race starting Sunday. So it's the, it's the famous taper week. That's sometimes the hardest to do is to actually not do too much before it starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Are you excited yeah. for that, by the way? Are you excited for the outroute that you're going to do? Yeah, I mean, I've um, I've done two seven-day ones already, so it's going to be my third. Um, so I'm I'm getting a bit nervous, but then I'm thinking like, you know, come on, you've already done two of them, so you should know uh, you should know how it works by now. But I'm just uh, I'm mostly excited. It, it's a nice group of people that you see a lot of the same people. Oh yes, uh, and they're from all over the world. So that that's the the part that I'm most looking forward to actually is just to see all the familiar faces and spend this week together with uh, with the same people that uh, most of them I already know. So that should be really nice. Yeah, probably we didn't mention that, but actually Linda is going to take part to the Outroot um, Alps. So kind of the original Outroot from Sunday on. So yeah, good luck with that. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> what about Tuxavia? You're going to go out for a bike ride today? I think that you have to. That's why we need also to cut short exactly, here. Exactly, exactly. So I'm, I'm already in my kit. My bike is ready. I'm really ready to go out and I'm going to go for... Uh, 50k gravel loop around Geneva. Uh, it's one of the gravel epic rides that I'm leading around here. So you're probably going to be too late when you're going to be listening to this postcard. But next time, you feel free to join me. Yes. Uh, are you posting it somewhere? Actually, the both of you. So Linda told us that there is a group on Strava where actually she posts the event. What about yours, Xavier? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's been. It's on the gravel epic website. Mm -hmm. Facebook group uh, page, I think uh, it's a, they're posting Facebook events and also I'm sharing it on my social media. So, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put anyways all the contacts. I'm gonna write you an email, by the way, so you can give me all the contacts and stuff. But I'm gonna put you listeners all the social media down below and contacts and stuff. So everybody who wants to join one of those gravel epic or whatever epic gravel rides you are doing uh yes you can join so you can find all the information what to say thanks a lot Xavier. thanks a lot linda it was amazing and lovely chatting with me and thanks a lot for taking together with me this experiment of the d's on that questions i hope you enjoyed it certainly <laughs> thank you thank you so yeah thank you thank you as well and and really sorry because we have to post postpone this uh, in a chat a few times my bad for that but really enjoy it so i'm glad we, we managed to do it no worries Xavier. i can tell you that the listeners would not actually be affected by that we are gonna go live <laughs> exactly on the same day that we planned and thanks a lot for the flexibility for organizing everything sweet cool guys enjoy your day enjoy your rides and i will talk to you soon and i will ride with you even sooner hopefully hope so <laughs> see you soon ciao, see ciao. You. bye bye